because again, like you're saying, we want to address real problems. Right. So we all exactly. have to live in fear of whenever we go out in public places, or if we put in somebody's driveway, or if we knock on the wrong door. Yeah. Alrighty, kids. Welcome in. Another uh, fantastic week of your favorite weekly political podcast, which we creatively named Alabama Politics This Week. Uh, I am uh, Josh Moon, and that is... David Person. Hi, uh, how are you, David? I'm good, man. I keep hearing from people on the West Coast who uh, who listen to the podcast and like it. Really? Yeah. In fact, uh, I got uh, I heard from two uh, West Coast friends this week. Uh, uh, one of them uh, called me up. She said, I just had to tell you, I really love that podcast. And when Josh cusses, it makes me laugh. That's what she said. <laughs> well, son of a bitch. How about that? <laughs> and, uh, and then uh, one of my partners actually said he wants to, uh, he was asking if he could, uh, he happens to be in town from the West Coast. Mm-hmm. And he was like, could I, could I sit in? On the no. I was like, dude, it's all Zoom. We, we do the whole thing through Zoom. He's like, oh, uh, you should have should have done that. He's like, well, we've got to go to like an undisclosed location, and you know, we just got to be, you know, we got to be off the grid when we're doing this. You know, it's uh, 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 it's great, man. That's great. You know, I I uh, I I was told a while back that we had uh, we had a guy uh, pretty famous who listened uh, who li- at least once he listened at least once and uh. Uh, but you know we'll, uh, well maybe we can get some other uh, famous folks you know we we did have on your uh, the uh, the the uh, girl that starred in uh, probably my favorite 80s sitcom uh, which uh, was the Cosby show. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And, Erica uh, Alexander. Yeah. yeah. Erica Alexander. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Pam, cousin Pam. Yeah. Cousin uh, Pam. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, you know, it's, uh, <laughs> you know, she was, uh, I, I know you're not supposed to say anymore that you love the Cosby show, I guess, but I mean, it's, yeah, I, I still, you know, I, I still yeah. watch it today all the time. It's a great show. Yeah. Um, it's a great show. And, and I understand Bill, the issues. Yeah, I understand yeah, the issues with Bill yeah. Cosby. Uh, but the but, fact uh, that he was an, an, a nasty old man uh, and yeah. worse, really, than that in his private life is sort of a separate issue to me at this yes. point. At yes. this point. I mean, you yeah, know, he's I mean, gone to prison. He's served his time, uh, even though they let him out on some technicality, I think. Yeah. Uh, you know, the Cosby show was a great show. Yeah. And I don't I, and I don't. It's almost like you're a, you know, when, when you say that, I don't mean you, I didn't mean the generic you or mm. the royal you or whatever, but I mean, it's almost like you're apologizing whenever you're like, oh, you don't like the Cosby show. But I mean, it is, I mean, all these people on, on pick a show and there's somebody on the show that's got a problem uh, that's a very terrible problem, you know, m- most likely. That's just the way life Probably. works, you know. Yeah, and, I mean, that's uh, life, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah, you know, but- Kramer on Seinfeld and just rattled yeah. up, just tossed out a bunch of N-words one night and, yep. and you know. And crushed yeah. himself, yeah. And so, you know, that's. But I still want, still love Seinfeld, and, yeah. and nobody, you know, you know, kills that. And, and it's a that, that show was was genius. It was a genius show. I understand mm-hmm. Bill Cosby's problems, but man, that show was so good. Mm-hmm. And you know, especially when you get into just the dynamics of of kid children and parents and raising kids, and uh, you know, it's just there's just was just a lot of truth to it, and a lot of. You know, really, there was a lot of of good good to it as well. Yeah, and, yeah that's uh, no question. Yeah, it was brilliant. 
Brilliant yeah. show. So, anyways, I don't know how the hell we got off on that, but how do we ever get off on things? But uh, so uh, we were we're going to be packed here today because we've got two guests, um, and we have Anthony Daniels uh, because he, t- he keeps calling, and so we got to let him on. Um, and then we. <laughs> Our friend. Yeah, no, he is our friend. Our oh, friend. Uh, we, we, yes. uh, and and then we have Ivana Hershman. Um and and I don't I'm I'm not I, it's not me trying her last no, name. No, I but, but I do want has, I need a, a reminder on how to say her name. I, I yeah, really I'm, we're gonna, gonna get her to we're gonna get her to do that so we yeah. just don't butcher the thing. Yeah. Uh, you know, and uh, and and because I have a lot of respect for the story that she wrote, mm-hmm. uh, she's done a lot of good stories. Honestly, mm-hmm. she's done she's done really good work for, for mm-hmm. AL dot com, and um, and this latest one that she wrote about a man that we're most likely going to try to kill uh, by way of lethal injection mm-hmm. uh, that will no doubt butcher, uh, and uh, he is very likely innocent. Mm-hmm. Um, Never, as a matter of fact, there was a juror uh, who said her and and two other jurors were going to vote not guilty. They were pressured into voting guilty, uh, and and they the only reason they did it was because everybody in the room agreed that they would not give this man the death penalty, and they were afraid that if they if they held out on him and it was a mistrial, they would come back and uh, and, and another jury would convict him and give him the death penalty, and they mm. did not want to see him killed. Uh, you know, we can we can quibble over flawed reasoning uh, right. there uh, right. a lot, and um, but um, you know, I this is I mean, you look at it, and I've got a I've got a very very weird connection uh, to that case uh, uh, to, mm. to Rocky, uh, and I, I look up his last name, but uh, Rocky is his first name. I have a very weird yeah, uh, Rocky Myers yeah. Myers, yeah, uh, yeah, to him and in this case. Um, uh, this uh, this guy for at least a day worked for my grandparents. Mm. Uh, we we owned our family owned a, uh, a export business in mm. Indicator. They uh, they exported mussel shells to Japan for the making of cultured pearls. It it was a terrible job <laughs> to work mm-hmm. at, especially as a young boy. Uh, mm-hmm. And and so and, but it and it was also fairly sporadic. And so we had a number of of kind of regular folks that uh, my granddad would call uh, whenever we had a, tra- a trailer. We were called a container. Whenever we had a container coming in, uh, and he would call them and say, "Hey, I need you for you know for the week, and then on this day, I need we need a little extra help. Can you round some folks up?" Mm-hmm. And so uh, I, I believe one of those folks was was Rocky because it, at a time I did not know this uh, at the time and did not know this about him, uh, but. Um, I remember the guys talking back there about one of the guys that they brought around being arrested for the murder and then later talked about him being convicted for the murder Wow! Uh, uh, there. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's kind of a weird thing. I mean, it's, and I, and it was, it was this time frame. It was that I, so I, it, you know, it had to be him, uh, mm-hmm. you know? And so it just, um, and and even when I talked to Ivana about it, she said, "Yeah, a lot of people said he bounced around to different jobs like that." Sure. And so that was probably true. And uh, but yeah, I mean, man, it's um, it's just a weird deal. Uh, mm-hmm. It's just uh, the whole thing is is very weird, very strange uh, case, and the fact that he's in there. And so we'll talk to her about that, and, and, uh, it and should be pretty good. And I want to highlight, and I'll probably do it again when we get uh, our guest on, that this is this is really. 
this is this is our state's MO. Mm-hmm. We seem to have no problem knowing that somebody has a high probability of innocence and yet sentencing them to death anyway, because there's another man who's uh, facing the death penalty. Um, trying to remember his last name now. Is it DeForest? Mm-hmm. I need to look it up, but I'll look it up. Uh, but it's a big case. Two, and two it's Forest. Uh, two Forest. Two Forest. Yeah, Thank DeForest, you. Yeah. Um, and, you know, this is, it's almost, you know, the, 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 uh, the basic mm-hmm. circumstance is the same. The details yep. are dramatically different, but basic circumstance is the same. And I just, I have a real problem understanding how our leaders have this mindset that says, you know, uh, even though the preponderance of evidence actually indicates innocence, not guilt, regardless of what the jury decided, that we're going to go ahead and kill this person, execute this person. I just, I don't understand that. That's really stunning to me. I don't, I've, I've never understood the mindset that is, that allows someone to be so resistant to, uh, to the consideration that somebody might be innocent. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that's what bothers me more than anything. If I were you know, in a position of, of power, the governor or whatever, wherever, um, and somebody brought to me this, this issue, I would be like, okay, well, let's, let's find out some more about this. What's, yeah. what's going on? You know, yeah. what's, what's happening? Because the one thing I definitely want to make sure of Mm-hmm. is that I am not in any way complicit with the execution of an innocent individual. Exactly. That's, that's, that's the one. Not, because not only at that point, not only am I complicit yeah. by, by virtue of my office, I make everybody complicit. The whole state. This. Yeah. The, the whole, whole state, state is yeah. now complicit in the, in the murder of an innocent person because we refuse to accept the idea even though we know it to be true in mm. a number of other cases that an innocent man was wrongfully convicted. Yeah. And, you know, I think about I think about, uh, you know, so much in our state boils down to, uh, you know, the the so-called Christian culture of the state. Mm-hmm. And, and I think about how in in uh, according to my understanding of the New Testament, one of the worst things you could do was sentence somebody to death uh, or be participating in the sentencing of somebody to death who mm-hmm. you knew was uh, was innocent or you mm-hmm. had reason to believe was innocent. And the, the Roman, my understanding of Roman law, ancient Roman law was like, that was the worst thing you could do. You know, yeah. um, you know, it would be better for an innocent, per- for a guilty person to go free. Yes. Than for an innocent person to be executed. Oh, I, I would rather a hundred guilty people go free. Yeah. Than than, than one. I hell, a thousand innocent guilty person. people go free. Than one yeah. innocent person be executed. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. There's yeah, nothing, more, you know, there's nothing yeah, more egregious. Yeah. Right. And, and what gets me most of the time is is the fact that you're you're not even talking about letting folks out of jail. Mm-hmm. You're you're simply talking about not following through with the death penalty on a lot of these things. You 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 yeah. could say, listen, I'm going to commute the sentence to to life in prison, mm-hmm. um, and then and then 
we can start, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll consider, I'd like to hear some more information right. uh, and then we'll consider the appeals process going forward out of this. And maybe, you know, clemency see, might be in order at some point. That's a really great point. That's a great point that the, that it doesn't have to be a one fell swoop, all or nothing. It can no. be okay. In light of this new information or in light of this information, let's commute the sentence and then let's, take a longer period of time to figure out whether or not this person is actually innocent or guilty. And we can, and and if that means life in prison meant fine, you know, we can always leave it there. That's a great point, Josh. It's not like the person is getting off the hook or or has to get off the hook. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just, they act like this and and it's just, and even in this case here, you know, what with, with Rocky, it, the, the guy, the, the jury didn't send him to death. Mm-hmm. They didn't sentence him to death. The judge did that, mm-hmm. which is, by the way, if I'm not mistaken now, illegal in this state, right? Didn't we uh, get this changed? I think as of the, yeah, as of uh, election. Uh, but it's not retroactive. cycle or two. Yeah, yeah. No, I think you're right. Yeah, that uh, power that power was taken away from judges in this judicial state. override, right? That's didn't right. we didn't judicial, judicial override? override? Yeah. Uh, and, and so, and, oh, by the way, Democrat bill, um, you know, mm. no more judicial override. Um, I, I just um, it's, it's the callousness of the mm-hmm. whole thing that that and and the um, the superiority, you know, uh, when when you when you talk to people who who are resistant to this and, and, you know, the way that they behave um, and they're, you know, it just, uh, I mean, just their, their air of superiority over everything. Oh, well, this, you know, this is the way the system works. Well, you know what? It doesn't work. And we all know it doesn't work. Yeah. So who are you fooling? You know, yeah. and, eh, and, I don't know. and being so callously dismissive of human life and, yes. and then yet, you go to church on Sunday and talk about how God loves everybody and yeah, no, all but you stuff. love life enough that you're going to force a ten year old to carry a rape baby to time. So yeah, you know, exactly. exactly. And you know, yeah, it's all it's foolishness. It, it really yes. is. It's foolishness. Yeah, it is. It's not it Christianity. Is. It's not. It's not mm-hmm. justice. It's not Christianity. It's just foolishness. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and speaking of foolishness, this is how we were going to start. <laughs> and then you know, listen. We we go where the conversation takes us. Yeah. We don't apologize. That's what makes you love us. Uh, we were going to start with uh, our, our legislature, and but we're going to get to you know some of the more egregious stuff in the in the close uh, after we talk to Ivana and um, and and talk about that. But I mean, there there are you know a number of things <laughs> that have happened. We we've gotten past all of the necessities uh, of the uh, uh, of the uh, uh, of this session, and so. Now we're into the oh hey here are the uh, here are the bills that you know the the pandering uh, the the here let me get some cheap votes let me raise some outrage so I can name uh, raise my name ID um, out of this sort of stuff and so we've gotten the uh, just the 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 drag queen ban mm. you know like the one from Tennessee because that's a huge problem here. Um, as Bill, uh, as Bill Britt uh, said the other day, um, they, um, said, I'm sorry, I got a message and apparently, uh, Anthony's going to have to reschedule. <laughs> so oh, uh, he's, oh. he's stuck on the, he's stuck on the house floor. So, oh, okay. okay. Yeah. So, oh, well. so we can, 
we can continue on without him. And yeah. it'll probably be a better show anyway. Um, <laughs> we'll uh, miss Anthony. We'll miss yeah, him. Yeah, let me, uh, well, I'll, I'll, I'll figure out what we what we have to do. But yeah, yeah so we're going to do, um, you know, we're, so we're going to have the drag queens. And as, as uh, yeah. my, my, my my friend Bill Britt said, uh, uh, you know, it's it, I remember just the other day when, when some drag queens entered into a uh, Sweet 16 party. Oh, <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. right. That's, uh, yeah. Right. That was a real danger to those kids. Right. Um, and, but, you know, it, it highlights just the, the stupidity and, mm. and, you know, just the otherworldliness of what we're doing now. You know what I mean? It just is so, yeah. so absurd. So, so we're talking about HB uh, of 401, which is, uh, it, to me, it's an asinine bill. Because it it it's in search of a problem, as opposed right. to addressing a problem, and and you know they they you know as you're as you've been alluding to, we're acting like drag queens are the most you know are the biggest threat that our state faces now, or one of the biggest threats that our state faces now. And as I wrote in my column that's out uh, on uh, on the Alabama Reporter website, um, in this country. We have a history of drag mm-hmm. being part of our entertainment, you know, going, you know, at least I know by my own recollection, going at least as far back as Milton Berle in the 1950s. And right. nobody was complaining about Milton Berle being in drag, you know, fast forward to the 70s when I grew up watching and enjoying the Flip Wilson show, the late, great Flip Wilson, black comedian. Mm-hmm. First uh, black comedian a, to a, here comes the judge. Here comes the judge. Right? Yeah, that's that's yeah. the same yeah. one and the same. First yeah. black comedian to 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 have his own uh, television show, a variety show, and um, and you know he had a, a regular character that he did in drag. Geraldine, do you remember Geraldine? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah, you know what? One of my earliest, because I'm way younger than David, um, is that um, <laughs> that's actually is, true, but <laughs> that's not true. Um, well, uh, not way younger, but no, you are younger. Just, that's yeah. what I'm saying. It's just you know, I just you, I just look way younger, um, and it's uh, but it's. <laughs> Just, yeah, I'm joking about that as well. Uh, but uh, one of my my first one was Wanda from In Living Color, which ah, is Jamie Foxx. Jamie Foxx, uh, yeah, yeah. And uh, I mean, it was it was so good, you know. It was Wanda yeah. and uh, uh, you know giving the massages and uh, you know, I mean it was just. Uh, which, by the way, I need to get off on another thing here. But have you seen the stuff about Jamie Foxx? He's still hospitalized. Yeah, some and, some kind of serious illness that they're not. Uh, they haven't disclosed what it is, but it's but it apparently is extremely serious. Yeah, and, then, and, and apparently he's not getting better. Uh, from from whatever they had some sort of crisis uh, mm. the other day, and oh, which by the way, apparently uh, Anthony's about to sign in, so <laughs> just oh, you know oh, whatever so he's man. coming in after all. Oh, <laughs> yeah, okay. yeah. So just you know, however, however we want to do it is fine. Uh, but yeah, if, uh, you know, if our producer will let us know when he's there, we'll we'll uh, we'll do that. But uh-huh. uh, I mean, goodness. Uh, but that yeah, no, it's um, uh, it, it's so yeah, it, stupid. Yeah, it's, it's so dumb. And I think that's our and that's our point. I mean, you know, you, you can say Jamie Foxx, you can talk about uh Martin Lawrence, you can talk about Al Pacino and uh, you know, Robin Williams, I mean Tom Hanks. There's mm-hmm. so many 
famous actors who have played drag and nobody was was getting all tangled up in a in a in a bunch uh getting their their underwear all tangled up in a bunch over how nasty or how what a threat they were to heterosexuality it's just ridiculous you know this is all about politics it's just another wedge issue yeah that, you know, it's uh, a, that conservatives yeah. and right wingers have found that's all it, it it's a, it's a thousand percent. It's because they don't have any real ideas for governance yeah. That, yeah. that are popular among the people, among mm. the masses. And so they've got to use fear and uh, all this. And so they just keep coming up with different things, you know, whether it was, you know, for quite some time, black people, uh, immigrants, yep. Uh, yep. gay people, uh, yep. you know, uh, transgender people, yep. now, uh, drag folks, uh, you know, but never the stuff that's actually killing people like the guns, exactly. you know, <laughs> you exactly. know, we'll talk about the threats to the children. How about we address just start with the number one killer of children? All right. Yeah. If yeah. I told it- you. That the number one killer of children was monkey bars. Next yeah. week, we would have all new regulations on monkey bars. They, okay? They'd be gone. They'd be yes. gone. They'd be they'd be tear, they'd tear them down. You know, yeah. and and that's a, that's another thing I want to point out real quickly before we get Anthony in here. Um, you know, you you look at these drag these drag queen story hours, and and you know they draw children to libraries. Mm-hmm. Right? Yes. Children and their mothers to libraries and the mothers and the children are sitting there and they're and they're being entertained. They're not yes. being corrupted. You right. know, there's no fear. There's no there's no sexual stuff going well, on. Well, there is fear. There is fear. Well, not for but them, the fear. Right. Not right. The them. fear is, yeah. is that they've now gathered in a large group and somebody might come in and start shooting people. Well, that's the fear. Yeah, well, and that's a fear we all yeah. live with, you know, exactly. because again, like you're saying, we won't address real problems, right. you know, so we all exactly. have to live in fear of whenever we go out in public places, or if we pull in somebody's driveway, or mm-hmm. if we knock on the wrong door, yep. you know, yeah. this is insane. Unreal, man. All right, let's 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 slide out. We'll get Anthony in here. We'll, we'll talk about some legislation that they're working on, some stuff that actually is popular amongst the folks and uh, doesn't rely on fear to scare the hell out of everybody. We'll be yeah. back in uh, just a minute. Alabama Politics. Hey, uh, if y'all would do us a favor and uh, go, to, if you're on Apple Podcasts, go and rate and review our little podcast here. Uh, that would be very, very helpful for us. Uh, you know, people might pay us to do this. Well, you never know. Yeah, but yeah, but let's not stop at Apple. Also, uh, you can do the same thing on Google Play, Amazon, yeah. and some of the more Android-friendly, uh, you know, platforms uh, as well. I forget that Dave is an Android guy. I am. <laughs> Me, I'm a conformist. And so, you know, go to Apple. But seriously, wherever you go, just do it. Just, just go and, and rate and review, and, and that would be very nice. Unless you're going to leave a bad one. Don't do, don't do that. Just don't, don't, like that. Don't leave a bad one. Thank you. All righty. Welcome back. Uh, Alabama Politics This Week, Josh Moon, David Person. Um, as we promised, 
and and then reneged on and then promised again. Uh, Anthony Daniels is with us, uh, House Minority Leader. Uh, I, I don't know what I know. You're busy. I know things are going on, so I give you a hard time. But um, it, it's it's a crazy. As I as we introduce this, we've we've moved past the hey, we got to get these things done, the economic incentive, the budget stuff, and now we're into a crazy time with the legislature. Yeah, times are very interesting uh, right now um, here in, in in the Alabama State House of Representatives, and so we just uh, want to make certain that uh, the people have their voices yeah. heard uh, on every and every opportunity that we get, and so that's what we're we're focusing on right now. Currently, my colleagues are on the House floor arguing against the absentee voting bill that makes it a felony for a person to help another with absentee ballots. Yeah, I um I hope that y'all don't waste uh, a whole lot of time on that because if they if they pass it, it'll last about a day before a federal court puts an injunction on it. Uh, because there is no way in hell that that is not a supreme violation of a First Amendment right uh, of somebody to go over and, and help their neighbor or whoever uh, fill out, apply for, or get uh, an absentee ballot. There's just there's 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 simply no way that's not a First Amendment right. Yeah, it's a uh, you know, it's a it's a very tough bill. I think that there should be more people in outrage, uh, in outrage. I think both sides of the aisle use this process and during uh, use the absentee voting uh, during their electoral process. And so, uh, while individuals that are voting in favor of this legislation should really understand the impact that'll mm-hmm. have on them. And so, I think they, they yet again, there's a bill that's being passed that actually have broader impact than one can ever imagine. Yeah. You know, um, in the meantime, you know, we, we were talking about this a little bit before. So there, there's a lot of scare tactics uh, that, that have been used on a variety of, level by, of levels by Republicans, uh, whether it be transgender kids playing sports or, um, you know, the the drag queen bill or you know whatever. They're now absentee. Apparently there's going to be a run on, on helping uh, old folks fill out an absentee ballot. And that's going to be illegal because, you know, we got to keep as many people from voting as possible. But uh, in the meantime, on the other side of the aisle, uh, there is legislation that actually helps people. Um, and I, I'm going to start with one because I have said in personal, uh, but I have said before that having a young child, I know firsthand what a, uh, hurdle it can be right, for a lot of people. Now, my wife and I were, were okay. Uh, and so this, you know, but I know a lot of folks who really struggle with being able to afford childcare. Uh, it has especially we probably live you you and I we probably live in the worst possible area of our state in terms of uh, affordable childcare because in the Madison area there is a run on on good daycares which has driven the price up to crazy levels um, and so there is a y'all have a, a, a proposal now to uh, to help give some sort of credit, some sort of money back for child care, which never should have gone away uh, under the Biden plan that helped restore the economy faster than any other portion uh, of the pandemic money that came out. I feel like was the, the uh, child tax credit that went into that. Absolutely. Uh, Senator Gudger uh, will be carrying a bill in the Senate. I'll be carrying it in the House a bill that provides uh, tax credits for mm-hmm. providers. 
So it'll encourage companies to be able to build uh, or have childcare facilities on site uh, so that their employees will be able to take advantage of uh, of that particular uh, facility. You can do it in the form of, of just having the space and hiring or contracting out mm-hmm. with a provider that actually specialize in uh, childcare. Uh, but this bill also impacts quality. Uh, the higher the tax uh, um, credit is, uh, at the it's five levels. So uh, level five, five star is the highest star that you can get when it comes to quality uh, in a facility. So therefore, the tax credit is going to be higher at the five at the uh, five star level, uh, and then it'll change two hundred fifty dollars on every level below that. So this essentially rewarding mm-hmm. quality. You know, at the end of the day, we want to see more quality childcare facilities and people have access to more quality. Because that also helps in when when those kids go to kindergarten or K through twelve, and so what that does is it creates uh, a, uh, it creates a conversation about mm-hmm. quality, right? And so what that's what we want. We want quality childcare facilities so that our stu- our young people are being prepared. We're not talking about uh, a babysitting service. We're talking about quality quality childcare that feeds the mind of that young person. Because we know that every dollar that's invested in early childhood saves you $7 in mm-hmm. corrections. And so for me, this solves some of that issue and will help us reduce the, the school to prison pipeline long term because these young people will be able to have a better shot at life uh, and career long term if we and make these investments on the front end. So it's a no brainer. It's a win for everyone. It's a win for families. It's a win for business. Uh, and it's but a win for Alabama. Just, just, just quickly before David jumps yeah. I just want to ask one thing about this. Uh, why why focus on giving it to the business and not to the individual? So there there's another component to this to where the business, if if Josh is working at a at, at mm-hmm. company A, and company A, um, uh, Josh um, children are currently in a mm-hmm. daycare. Well, company A. In the form, they'll get a tax credit, but they'll be able to send the money back to Josh as either a reimbursement or something inside of Josh, Josh's check. So Josh will the actual you'll be the recipient of that benefit. Okay. So your child will be able to go. That credit will go toward your child, and your the overhead that mm-hmm. what you're paying. Otherwise, your child will go to the facility if it's on site. The the employer may choose to send your your child will go there free. Right or a severely discounted rate, uh, but your company receives a tax credit, so the money does filter down. Okay. Hmm. Okay. Anthony, I wanted to uh, I wanted to bring up something that uh, Josh wrote about that I thought was really fascinating, and that is the attempt of uh, the legislature through Pringles' bill, uh, and that's uh, let me see what is the name of that bill. That's um, three seventy two. 372, uh, there's a provision in there <clears throat> in which they're trying to cloak uh, the, uh, the payments that are made to uh, expert witnesses that the attorney general uh, uh, is going uh, could conceivably use uh, in, uh, in prosecuting cases. And, um, and I'm thinking there's something really... Um, um, 
troublesome about that to me in that not only should the public have a right to know that the attorney general of our state is spending, whether it's $5 or $500,000 on expert witnesses, uh, we should also know, um, you know, not only from a fiduciary standpoint, but from an ethical standpoint, you know, we should be able to track and know you know, who's who's getting the benefits of of this, you know, who's getting this business and and what their long term relationship is with the state and what that may signal to us, whether it's politically or ethically. Um, I mean, do you see where I'm coming from? Yeah. And so what we're doing, David, um, I have Prince Chestnut. I have Prince Chestnut uh, and Representative England, who are mm-hmm. attorneys in our caucus. Uh, I have them vetting that bill out and everything that's within that bill uh, because I did uh, I I caught these items within that piece of legislation uh, and brought it to the attention of the bill sponsor and others. And they're trying to say that, hey, uh, we're just trying to give the state an opportunity uh, because they're at a disadvantage when they're trying these cases. And so. Uh, what I'll do, uh, David, we're going to break everything down so that the public understand exactly what's what's real and what's not. And so we're kind of in a um, at the table conversation and back and forth right now uh, about uh, what's real and what's not. Now, David Cole abstained from the vote yesterday in the committee, which leads me to believe that, hey, there's more to it mm-hmm. than that meets the eye. Mm-hmm. And so we're going to have. Uh, more conversations about that uh, behind the scenes uh, to get gain more clarity, and then we'll likely offer amendments or things that, if 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 in fact is not what you're saying, then accept these amendments as friendly amendments to spell out mm-hmm. intent, mm-hmm. so that is not exactly what you're telling me because you can tell me. Uh, you can tell me one thing, but I just want to make certain that we have the protections in writing. So it's it's very rare that you have a bill that have like this many different mm-hmm. things in it. And mm-hmm. that's kind of concerning. The key thing, going back to this particular provision in the bill, the key thing that I think Josh points out in his column that really needs to be kept in mind is when you're juxtaposing what the attorney general, the, the kind of... Uh, uh, privacy or, or cloaking that the attorney general has asked for with what a defense attorney uh, has. The difference is taxpayer money. You know, defense attorneys are not using taxpayer money. They're using private money. You know, the attorney general's office is using taxpayer money. And that's the reason why we have a right to know how they're spending that money, who's getting that? Who's benefiting from these taxpayer dollars when it comes to the prosecution of these cases? Well, I, I, you know, that's that's been my point, Dave. Like, that's what the questions that I asked. I'm like, why would we re- need to redact, redact mm-hmm. this information? And but the response that I received didn't necessarily meet, uh, address the issues that mm-hmm. and the concerns that I brought up. And so that's why either they're going to do it in writing. Or we're going to use this piece of legislation as an opportunity to we'll start un, uh, exposing it on the House floor and in committee. Well, I'm, well, I'm the House shocked floor. that it because it passed I'm just Shocked that the explanation didn't <laughs> didn't address the real issue. Surprise! Let, let, let me 
that's why you have to have all these you have to have these these folks look yeah. at we got to look at everything and and sometimes the price moves so fast and you don't get an opportunity yeah. to look at everything and so there there are things that we found that the bills that are the shortest mm. are the most dangerous so we have to make certain that we pay attention yeah it may appear that we're dealing with the state house and some other things but there are some other things uh um that has negative impact that you may not see. It's even changing some of the word. Like last week, I dealt with uh, a bill to where I added language on there uh, that deals with knowingly dealing with the um, sale of drugs. Well, my thing is, or just it was the sale, furnish, or uh, even giving, right? So if you so if you're at a party and two individuals are smoking marijuana, one individual shares with the other. Well, the person that sold the marijuana, it would end up mm. being laced, mm. right, with fentanyl or something. You and that person, that those two individuals are smoking marijuana at the party. One person has a, a both people have a negative reaction, but the person that survives is the one that's going to be charged mm. with manslaughter. Mm. So I added the language knowingly in there, meaning that that person no, didn't if the person knowingly gave you the drugs and knew that was lace, yeah. you have to prove that. But in recreational use and not selling of it, knowingly is right. their defense, meaning that why are we going after the person that both are doing it instead of the person that sold the drugs mm -hmm. to them or the person that sold the drugs to the right. person that sold the drugs, right? So it's like we're going after the little the person that has little to do with the distribution and more and not going after the person that actually sold or that's right. Made. That's right. They yeah. made a whole TV show about that. It's called The Wire. Yeah. 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 How about that? Yeah. 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 So yeah. by adding by adding the line, then the word knowingly, it gives yeah. that person a yeah. defense. Let me let me ask. That's a great point. I'm glad you brought that up too, because that that definitely is a glaring that's a glaring uh, example of uh, just how uh, how unjust justice can be. Uh, let me let me ask you, shifting gears here quite a bit or, or quite dr dramatically, um, you did something uh, several weeks ago that I thought was really important. Uh, you and other uh, Democrats in the legislature. Uh, went on record with your support of the uh, the three Democrats in Tennessee uh, who um, were, of course, uh, the subject of a lot of uh, 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 criticism. And in fact, two of them were uh, actually ejected from the house, from the house, uh, the Tennessee House, even though they're now or Tennessee legislature. Now that they're both uh, even though now they're both back in um, what what. Talk a little bit about why you felt it was important to take that public position and and tell me what benefit um, there was to them and what and, and, and did it generate any benefits for Democrats here in the state of Alabama? So the purpose of us really taking that position is because we have similar laws. We have the similar, a similar process uh, in Alabama. And so it was to make the public aware that a person that you duly elect uh, not having the opportunity to be your voice 
when they need to be your voice. And so seeing what happened in Tennessee, I wanted to make the public aware that that could very well happen in the state of Alabama. Not saying that it's going to happen, but it's their laws on the books to make it happen. Now, I did stop a piece of legislation approximately three or four years ago that actually was going to do something similar to a school board. So that if a person on school board was identified as basically uh, toxic or absent or uh, it gave the majority of the school board to vote to silence that person, but also to remove them from office. And so while others were looking at this legislation as, oh, you know, this is not going to have impact. I looked at the legislation as something that would definitely have impact. And when we saw the Tennessee situation, it further reminded my colleagues of why it was important for us to take that stance at that particular time of removing a duly elected person from office and silencing their voice. Decorum, in my mind, is not something that uh, should be judged by an individual that because they don't like what you said or what you did or how you mm-hmm. carry yourself. We're, this is not democracy. That's not democracy. And so what I wanted to make certain that the public understood was the, this is why it's important to vote. This is why it's important to get involved in the process. And that your representatives are on the same scrutiny as those young people from Tennessee. And that can happen to any one of us. And so that's where I, I just wanted to make the, set the record straight because we get too comfortable in our, in our own states when it's not, it's just like the gun argument. I said that, you know, when it was in Columbine or Sandy Hook, we were silent about it. Then it came to Tennessee. Now mm-hmm. it's in Alabama. Now what are we going to do? We should have responded the time that it was in Columbine. And we should have kept responding and, and, and tightening our laws up to make certain that that doesn't possibly happen in Alabama, but mm. guess what? It was too late. Well, yeah. I'm, glad, I'm glad you did it. I'm, I, I really uh, yeah. glad that you yeah. guys took that position. I, I am as well. I feel I felt like that was a, a really good thing to do. And mm. hey, I, I wanted to just ask you one more thing before uh, before we wrap up because we, we've got a much better guest uh, that we're going to have on. Oh my goodness. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just the abuse. Totally the abuse. The abuse. The abuse. He knows I'm joking. I praise you before you come. I just can't do it while you're here. You know. Well, who needs for <laughs> uh, Well, I did. Uh, you know, this was going to be my my little gift to you. Was uh, you've got a you've got another tax cut bill um, in there uh, that uh, it looks like it's going to sail through, and that is. Uh, repealing the overtime tax, and uh, uh, just I, I tell people what what it is and what it's going to do for them. So you know, oftentimes Democrats are talking about increasing wages and giving working people more money, right? And Republicans talk about not mandating that, uh, not being a mandate that business should be able to operate. Uh, the way they need to operate and pay the wages that they can afford. Well, in order to meet both parties in the middle and to bring unions and business and everybody together uh, and working people together. So the goal here is uh, a person that works 40 hours, you're already paying 5% to the state of Alabama pre-tax from your employer. So you don't see that money. It's sent to the state for taxes. So what I wanted to do was how do we reward work? And so any person right now, you see a now hiring sign from Mobile Mm -hmm. to Huntsville. 
So you can't find people to work in various jobs. Some I have a different position. I think that the number of people that we lost in COVID certainly were people that are working. All those folks we lost, we need to look at the number of people we lost from, lost in the workforce. Well, those are working people. You didn't catch COVID right. just sitting at home. And so therefore, a lot of them, those folks are working people. So therefore, there's going to be a shortage in skilled workforce and workforce people that are trained. So what this bill will do is any hour that you work over in overtime, time and a 5% off of time and a half is a lot more than 5% off your just regular base hourly rate before the 40 hour mark, right? So what will happen is removing the state tax, the 5% from the state level, instead of you sending that money to the state, that money will go back to the employee in their check at that, in, the, in that particular time period. So if Josh works 10 hours of overtime, that 5% that he's being taxed from the state on time and a half, it'll go back into Josh's check that he'll take home. So it's a no-brainer. It's rewarding working people, but it's not mandating an increase in minimum wage. But it, what it does is the wages, but it does give you almost double time sometimes, right? Some people work over double time, and then that 5% of double time that's taxed at the state level is a lot higher percentage. So this is to put more money into working people's pockets. For the business, here's the benefit. You got experienced people working overtime. So you're not training a person. The other thing is it'll encourage more people to want to work overtime, but it'll also encourage more people to want to work, period. Because you're bringing home more money. And with the prices going up and all these different products, it gives you an opportunity for your money to go a lot further. And that's essentially what the bill does. Well, it's uh listen, I I just I just appreciate that somebody's thinking. You know, I mean, really, uh, you, you run through all these things yeah. day in and day out and listening to, God, I listen to these committee meetings. And it, I, it's, I mean, I, I find myself just banging my head against the table uh, <laughs> with some of the stuff that gets said and the people that push this nonsense. But it's nice to have you and others there that are thinking about things who, who come from the real world, uh, that know how businesses work and uh, can actually put some things together that, that helps not, not just a business, not just focusing on the business, but also helps the employees and uh, the folks down that, that need the help the most. So we, we appreciate you doing it and we appreciate you coming on and, and spending some time. And you know, I know because it's you've got to get back out there and, and argue for a little while, right? Yeah, Josh, but I think I, I think the other thing is I certainly always appreciate you and David for really putting the information out there. I think people appreciate what you're doing and getting these plays firsthand. You're paying attention to what's going on in Montgomery. Uh, very, uh, you, you watch some of the news cycles, some of the things that are out there they talk about, but for the most part, uh, people are not informed as to what's going on. So I appreciate y'all doing that, but understand that these, all these two proposals that I mentioned have more, uh, bipartisan support than any piece of legislation yeah. you've ever well, seen. That's the yeah. overtax bill, overtax bill has, uh, the overtax bill, uh, overtime tax bill has. Uh, support from individuals that identify whether you're you're far right, far left, whether you're moderate, uh, whether you're conservative or liberal, and so it had a uh, hundred and five people to vote for the bill mm. in the House of Representatives. That's pretty solid. That's pretty. And solid. there's only hundred and five people yep. in the House. Right. I was gonna say if 106 voted, you'd so have that, a real that issue. Now it goes on to the Senate. Yeah. Well, listen. I, I know. I, I'm not sure though. The way the the way the Republicans are handling elections now, hell, they might be able to let David Cole vote twice. 
Uh, so, um, but, uh, that, listen, thank you for, for spending some time and, uh, and for, and for the good work and, uh, we'll get you back yeah. in here, the, you know, the, in the next couple of weeks, I'm sure to, uh, to talk about what's, what's going down. Appreciate right, you. Buddy. Thank you. Yes, sir. That's, uh, All right, thank Representative you, Matthew <laughs> Daniels. Uh, it's, it's honestly, it's, it's really, really nice to have guys uh, like him that, uh, you know, that know things. Uh, but listen, all right. So we're, uh, we, we do, we, we will have, uh, uh, Ivana on in, in just a few minutes to talk about Rocky Myers and stuff, but uh, it, it's um, it, and then we'll wrap up after that. But that that this thing with uh, with with Anthony and you know some of the other stuff, I, I'll tell you, I, I'll tell you the one quibble that I do have here, and I understand why he did it, and that's that, that's with the child tax credit stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I I don't see any reason why we couldn't just give that to people. Um, and you know, I, I understand that you're you're wanting to do this, but I, I got. I'm going to have to look at that a little more because I, I've got some real questions about how we're going to judge these daycare centers to, to do the five stars uh, ratings. You know, who's going to be in control of that? Uh, how exactly these businesses are going to be able to loophole their way into, into getting the five star ratings when mm-hmm. they just put a playpen in a corner. Uh, and, you know, that that sort of thing is is what what I'm really interested in in that. And I think you kind of el- eliminate a lot of that stuff. If you just give it to the people that are paying for the child care, um, you know. And- well, and, and I get where you're coming from and I see the logic to what you're saying. But I, I, I but I, what I sensed and of course, you know, he didn't say this explicitly, but mm-hmm. what I sensed was that Anthony was trying to uh, constructing the bill that way or designing the bill that way. He was trying to ensure that there was a small business benefit. Sure. So that so that it would make it that much more appealing to uh, yes. Republicans. Yeah, I mean I, that's I my that's that my wrong. guess. Yeah, you know? yeah. I'm, I'm 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 positive that's that's the case. Yeah. Um, and and you know it's like I've said a lot of times about the gambling bill. You know the the best bill isn't necessarily the one that has all of the bells and whistles that everybody wants. The best bill is the one that has enough of that stuff in there that you can get passed. Uh, you know, yeah. and, you know, yeah. and so if it, however we need to go about actually getting this done, if we can if we can't get it done by just giving out a tax credit to, to the working folks out there uh, and and we need to make it as, as a, a business uh, tax or I mean a business uh, you know credit, then, you know, I guess that's the way we got to do it. I just wish that we could just go back to the way Biden and them did it, you know, mm-hmm. by giving a tax break to, to families. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, we. Uh, my wife and I last year spent. Well, I, you know, I, I'm I'm ashamed to say how much we spent on one child to go to daycare. Mm. I, I mean, it it uh, it is, and that, that doesn't include all you know the the food and the clothes and all this sure. all the stuff you know, sure. uh, and the other things that we pay for you know the field trips and things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, I mean, it's it it's you know solidly into five figures. You know, oh, I uh, I, I can imagine. Yeah, I can yeah. imagine. And that's for one. Yeah, for one child. For one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. for one. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, you get breaks for for two at, at different th- places and stuff, but still, you're still mm-hmm. paying a lot of money for this, man. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I don't think we're going anywhere close to the most expensive. As a matter of fact, I know we're not because we visited other daycares and some of them were more expensive. And so it just it's a it's a huge deterrent 
to getting people back into the workforce right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it is a lot of working mothers and working dads even. I mean, because as I've told y'all before, my dream is stay at home dad. Okay. Right. That's my dream job. That's all I've ever <laughs> wanted in my whole life. You know, just be here. <laughs> uh, but and, and yeah. so if somebody will come along and pay my wife enough, y'all never hear from me again. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> so, but uh, I, it's, you know, they, they, they figured out, Hey, yeah. you know, do the math on this. I got more money at the end of the month. If I just stay home with the kids. Yeah, that's right. That's right. You know? A lot of, a lot so, of families have made that yeah. two parent homes have made that decision. And, and, and let's not even get started uh, talking about the one parent homes where yeah. that's a, you know, it's, it's not even something they can consider uh, and puts them in a real dilemma, you know? Uh, yes, yeah, it's, it's, it's a, it's a, it's one of the many things that is problematic for families in this country. Yeah. Well, not I, drag queens, happy. not drag queens, no, no, not drag queens. daycare, not drag daycare. Yeah, that's right. Not drag. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, daycares and obviously, you know, transgender athletes. So, I mean, you know, those two, uh, and, and interracial marriage probably. Yeah, of course. Well, that's uh, always, know, yeah. Yeah. Or gay marriage too, you know, for that matter. Destroying the fact. Right. Of the right. Um, all right. Let's slide out of here. Uh, we'll come uh, back. We'll talk about, uh, Rocky Myers uh, situation and, uh, and with, with Yvonne and uh, see see what we can uh, all glean from that. Most importantly, we'll we'll learn the correct way to pronounce her last name and uh, make sure that we don't offend her in some yes. way by trying it and butchering it to no end, which is the reason why I just keep calling her Ivana. I'm not trying to uh, demean her in any way. Yes. I'm just trying to not butcher her last name. Yes. So uh, we'll be back in a minute. Alabama Politics this week. If you're hearing my voice, that means you are a fan of Alabama politics this week. And I want to tell you how grateful I am that you listen and that you're engaged with what Josh and I talk about every week. So I want to ask you to continue listening and uh, continue to support us and definitely reach out with ideas, comments, suggestions. Uh, Your support makes a difference and it means a lot. Alrighty, welcome back in Alabama politics this week. Uh, Josh Moon, David Person, uh, we are happy now uh, to have him with us, and I'm going to get this right. Ivana Harinku. Ivana Harinku. You got it. Mail.com. Right. Yeah. See. Uh, well, thanks. Thanks for coming on, and, and we're so happy to have you. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. I'm um, I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to talk about the story and uh, just kind of continue the conversation. Yeah, and we uh, the story uh, you are talking about is the uh, story about the I, I guess at some point they're going to try to execute uh, Robin Rocky Myers, uh, the state of Alabama is, and uh, you wrote a fantastic piece uh, about this that that delved into his case. Um, I mentioned uh, to David earlier and to you a couple of days ago. Uh, you know, I am uh, somewhat of a tie to this case being from Decatur. Uh, my, my grandparents for at least a day uh, employed uh, Rocky Myers, I believe. Um, if not, they employed somebody else that uh, is, was convicted of, of murder at, at basically the same time, which I highly doubt. Um, and, you know, it's reading through this. Um, you know, David and I were talking about it uh, a little before you came on, and it the circumstances are obviously not identical to anybody else uh, there. But 
Man, when you look at kind of the overarching feeling that you get from reading this, I can't say it's something that I've never had in reading the story of of a death row inmate in Alabama where there is some question to his guilt. Uh, and, And it seems to pop up almost yearly uh, that one or two folks would look like this. What, what led you to this story and, and what, how, how did you feel as you were kind of going through all of the court records and all of, I don't want to say evidence because there's so very little evidence, uh, but you know, uh, all the stuff associated with this. Well, first I got my kind of eyes on this case from his actual, his legal team, the federal defenders for the middle district um, of Alabama. They produced a short documentary that was available on YouTube. uh, I believe that released in February and somebody sent me a link to that video and I watched it and I was just amazed. And I was especially amazed, not only at the case, but the fact that I had never heard about it. Now, I live in Birmingham. I'm from Birmingham. And so I think sometimes there's a little bit of a uh, North Alabama, Central Alabama, South Alabama kind of divide. And I've heard about a lot of the cases, especially one a lot of people mentioned about uh, to Forrest, to Forrest Johnson there and about the questions as to his case. And that's from Birmingham. So I was pretty familiar with that. But to hear about another question of innocence, again, in a North Alabama case, it was just, uh, it kind of hit me like, why do I not know this name? So mm-hmm. I watched that documentary that was done by his uh, his legal group, and I got really interested and started digging into court records and just his file. And I kind of thought I would come across some something to... Um, kind of either change my mind or something that would kind of make everything make sense. And and there would be a a plug to fill the hole that is Mm -hmm. so obvious in his case, but I never found it. And I just continued to look and I got a little bit obsessed and just kind of kept going down rabbit holes. But that plug just never came. Yeah. Um, and, and, and reading the story, I was kind of the same way. I was like, well, surely there's going to be a, you know, something in here that, that I, I don't know why I think that hell, whenever, I mean, I, this has got to be the fifth or sixth story I've read like this in this state where, you know, there, there, there's just not, you, you, you read down through it and you think this, this is so thin. Um, what did, did you ever, uh, did you ever attempt to to speak to the to the judge in that case or is he is he still around um because he, that the crux of this is that you know the the jury at least a portion of the jury seemed to believe that the man if not innocent there was certainly reasonable doubt there and they only convicted him because they were afraid some other jury might give him the death penalty and then the judge turns all that on its head by overriding their wishes and giving him the death penalty so I, could you explain kind of what happened and and what where all these people are now and and what they believe now? So unfortunately, a lot of the people involved with investigating this case and in the judicial side of prosecuting this case, including the judge, have passed away. So I was not able to speak with the judge. He has passed away. He did have at least one other case where he did a similar uh, he had a similar decision that was a judicial override case. And this person is still on on death row. He had at least one that I've been able to find. Um, And there are depending on how you count, there's 34 or 35 Alabama death row inmates who are there from judicial override cases. Now we know that is no longer the law of the land in Alabama, Mm -hmm. but 
when that law was changed several years ago, there was no clause for retroactivity, which means that if you ended up on death row like Rocky from a sentence that was a supposed to be a life sentence and then the judge decided to send you to death row, there's really not an avenue for you to challenge that. Even though it can't happen today, you're kind of out of luck at that point, um, or at least based on that claim. So Unfortunately, was not able, not able to talk to the judge there. The uh, two main detectives on the case have also passed away, so was not able to speak with them, unfortunately. Um, but the juror that I spoke with and that I quoted heavily in the story was so disturbed by this case. You can tell it's really haunted her yeah. for the past 30 years because whether you agree or you disagree with the way that jury handled it, they genuinely thought they were doing the best they could at the time with the information that they had. And I asked her if she knew that very, uh, um, very small part of Alabama law, that fine print about the judge being able to override their decision on sentencing. And she said she didn't know at the time. And I asked her if that had ever been mentioned during jury selection or had been told to her either by the defense attorney of the prosecutors, she did not recall that it had been. Um, a lot of that transcript, especially during jury selection, is not available anymore just from the early 90s when things got scanned into electronic records. Some of that got lost, but she does not remember that happening. And she says that when she got the call about the judge overriding that decision, she was just just so overcome with emotion and she was so upset and she just felt she said so unheard because she had spent so much time and so much effort and had such an emotional reaction to having to find him guilty in the first place and then to feel like all of her work was done for nothing she said at one point i don't i don't know that the quote actually made it in the final copy of the story but she said at one point that she just felt like they were used she said that you know why even bring us here it's a jury of 12 people why waste our time if you've already got a decision that you're going to make hmm. i've got several concerns about this case and and as josh said i commend you for your thorough exploration of this. I mean, you really, you know, you really break this thing out into discrete parts and look at, at the aspects of it. Um, <clears throat> one, my, one, my, one of my concerns is that if my understanding of this case is correct, Mr. Robin Rocky Myers is a person uh, who uh, is not a person of means. That's my first, is that, is that understanding correct? Yes, that okay. is correct. All right. He's not a person of means. He is a person who appears to have a what we would call a mental or maybe I'll say an intellectual disability. Is that also true? Um, if you look at psychologists and people who are qualified to make that type of uh, determination, I'm not qualified to do that. But according to their reports, yes, he does have a mental disability or okay. an intellectual disability, I would say. Yeah, intellectual. Yeah, I think it. I don't think it's mental. I think it's intellectual. Mm -hmm. And then finally, um, he's obviously a black man. Um, these three, to me, create the perfect storm in terms of his being a uh, an easy target for the attorney general when it comes to execution. 
when it comes to uh, seeking execution or to the judge. Uh, you know, since this, so let me start with the judge, because this, as you said, this was a judicial override case. It's, but so let me, let me broaden it. Let me just say for the state of Alabama, just the whole process. Um, we are, we are a bloodthirsty state, in my opinion. We are quick to try to execute and, and he's an easy target. Do you, do you sense that one or all of these three factors uh, play a role, have played a role in making him an easy target as I do, as I believe? Um, I think number one, part of that is probably impossible for me to answer. I don't have the experience of being a black man. I will never have that experience. But a lot of people that I spoke with and a lot of people that I uh, interviewed for this story said exactly that same thing. And if you look, uh, one of my favorite quotes in the story was from Rocky's ex-wife and, uh, they were married at the time, ex-wife meaning now she said, and I don't have it in front of me, but she said something along the lines of he wasn't very smart. He was black. Why not pick him? And that was a thought that so many people in Decatur seem to have about this case. And it's also worth mentioning that the first man who was arrested in this case, his charges were later dropped. He was also a black man as well, and he lived in the same neighborhood. So that's also worth mentioning. Um, in terms of setting the execution date, he Rocky's in a unique situation because the Alabama Supreme Court, who sets these, or they don't set the dates anymore, but they issue the execution warrants, we can say. And when the attorney general asks for those warrants, they have to make sure that the death row inmates are at a stage legally where they are essentially out of appeals, right? Or if they are in an appeal, it is something that they have already gone through all of the um, required appeals for the state before the state can ask for the execution date. That's often why it takes 20, 30 years, because we know how slow our court system moves. Rocky's case is a little bit different there because he is not in the waiting game of litigation. He's out of litigation because there is nothing else legally that can be done. The federal appeals courts have said, yes, your situation mm -hmm sucks if i can say that that's what mm. the appeals court said but at the same time we can't help you because you missed that deadline and the u.s supreme court declined to review that decision so he is out of luck legally and he does not have the parameters that other death row inmates have where they can kind of rely on their litigation for maybe a time being um that also we know was uh his situation was also kind of prolonged in terms of waiting on execution warrant when he signed into some legislation a couple of years ago and then later opted in to die by nitrogen hypoxia. That protocol has not been released yet. If it is finalized, the state says they expect it to be final later this year. And again, Rocky's unique because he had a legal injection execution date before he got into this litigation and then decided to go with the nitrogen route. So it is not out of the realm of possibility possibility that when the nitrogen hypoxia method becomes available to the Alabama Department of Corrections, they come in and just renew the execu execution dates they had already set prior to that litigation. Mm. That's really chilling. That's chilling. It's profoundly disturbing. It really makes me angry, honestly, because it seems as though we just, uh, our state is hell bent on executing somebody 
under very, very questionable, highly debatable, uh, if not disputable, you know, circumstances. Uh, It's just really, it's it's an outrage, in in my opinion. I want to ask you one final question. Um, And you, you know, I... I'm going to pose this to you because of the, the the work you've been doing journalistically in this arena, and you've been doing it well. Uh, when I was thinking about the uh, Mr. Myers's case, uh, Robin Myers's case, uh, I thought about uh, I had a flashback in my mind to Anthony Ray Hinton, and uh, you know, for folks who don't know, Anthony Ray Hinton was on death row. Uh, the Equal Justice Initiative, led by uh, Brian Stevenson. Uh, freed him, was able to get him freed from death row. He never should have been there in the first place. Um, I'm thinking about the work that I know the Equal Justice Initiative has tried to do in this state. And they're not the only ones. I mean, there's also Project Hope to abolish the death penalty and others who have been active, the NAACP, Alabama Arise. They all have been active in trying to... uh, to uh, to really end the death penalty in our state, but at the very least, they want they say they I think the, the the position has been fairly consistent that if we're going to have a death penalty, it ought to be a just death penalty. After doing extensive reporting on this case, do you have any reason to think that we are are basically replicating? the Anthony Hinton mistake and that we're just going further down this road of callously um, executing innocent people or people who, for whom innocence is a high probability. I mean, and I know you're a reporter, you're not an opinion writer, but, but what's your gut feeling about that? You know, I was lucky enough or I have been lucky enough rather in my career to have met uh, Mr. Hinton, spoken with him before. And um, I've always learned so much from him when I've gotten to meet him and interview him. Um, and I've even run into him just out uh, out and about before. And he is um, he's always, always so pleasant. And I always learn something from my conversations with with Mr. Hinton and not necessarily even about the legal system or about the prison system, just kind of about life in general. He's a very uh, he's a very interesting man. And if if people have not heard him speak before, I 100 percent recommend that. Phenomenal um, speaker. Phenomenal. He's, he's a great yeah. speaker and he is also hysterical. It should be added as well. Mm. He is so funny. Mm. And um, it should be noted that Rocky and Rocky's a similar way. Rocky's funny. I've gotten to talk to Rocky and he is just um, he's so upbeat, and that reminds me a lot of Mr. Hinton. They per, their personalities remind me a little bit of each other, just in the fact again they're very upbeat, have a lot of optimism about their lives, and I can't imagine being in that situation, let alone being in that situation and still being optimistic. Um, one thing that I know Mr. Hinton's talked about publicly and he's told me before is how much he loves or he did at the time the royal family and he loved the queen, and uh, that was something. That he just he daydreamed a lot about when he was in prison. And I asked Rocky actually a similar question. I said, you know, I just that always stuck with me, that image of Anthony Ray Hinton. And if you can see him visually being so in love with the Queen of England, it just kind of gave me a chuckle. And so I've always remembered that. And I asked Rocky if he had a similar coping mechanism where he daydreamed to kind of get out of his cell, to get out of the Alabama 
Department of Corrections. And he told me he did. And he told me about how he has uh, like a garden almost posted on the walls of his cell because that reminds him of the outside world. And he has a, a fake pet turtle. And he said, I know that sounds crazy, but that's the way that I can cope. And, and again, have some type of connection with the outside world. So that reminded me a little bit of Mr. Hinton there. And uh, one thing I think too is interesting is a lot of people I talk to that are not in journalism or not in the legal community don't realize that there's a very big difference in somebody being innocent and somebody being not guilty. And I think as journalists and as people in the legal community, we understand that there's a very big difference. And also a lot of people don't realize that aren't in this industry that a lot of a lot of people, a lot of death row inmates don't claim to be innocent. A lot of times their legal arguments hinge on legal technicalities and uh, issues with their attorneys, things like that. There are not a whole ton of death row inmates who are hanging their legal arguments on being innocent. And I think that's kind of a misconception. So for somebody like myself who does this a lot, when I see an innocence claim like that, and then again, start digging into it, it really catches my eye. Now, I will say about Mr. Hinton, I was not um, in this business really at the time, or I might have just gotten in when he got out. So I'm not as familiar with a lot of the ins and outs of his cases, just because that was a little bit before I got into the industry. So I can't speak to the specifics of his case or similarities there. But I think it's fair to say that the public perception is that these cases could be very similar. And um, but a big difference, again, Mr. Hinton had a legal avenue and he was able to get very good attorneys to help him explore that legal avenue. Rocky does not have that legal avenue. So unfortunately, he can't get help from a lot of these high profile legal groups just because there's nothing they can do legally for him as much as they might want to help him. Their hands are tied there. Yeah, yeah. I got I got two real quick to before we, and we'll get you out of here. One one real quick I, because it just struck me as we were talking, and I don't know the answer, uh, and it may have been in your story, and I've just overlooked it. But when they spoke to the to the victims of this uh, uh, crime, did they identify the attacker as a black man? They did. Um, well, okay. actually, let me let me rewind that. Miss Tucker, the victim who died, she did. She said that it was a short, stocky black man. She said that he was wearing a white or a light colored shirt, possibly a plaid shirt okay. over top. And we have to think it was October. It was chilly. So that would have made sense to have a shirt over the top, um, mm -hmm. top of a T-shirt. Um, and she, again, something I pointed out, I think, several times in the story, but I really wanted to, something that really stuck with me through reporting is she was conscious enough to make a pretty detailed identification of that attacker. Um, and she also said to one of the police officers who was helping her into the ambulance, she said, sugar, it hurts so bad. And mm -hmm. as heartbreaking as that is, something else stood out about that to me, especially if you're from the South, that is so... Um, that just reminds me of my grandmother, the way that that was phrased with sugar at the beginning of it. So she obviously was conscious enough and enough herself to make that comment. She was not mm -hmm. so dazed and confused from the pain and her injuries that she uh, that you couldn't take seriously what she was saying. So I thought that was very interesting. Um, but yes, yeah, she did say her attacker was a black man. Miss Dutton. Okay who is the surviving victim. She is no longer, um, she's passed away since the crime, but at the time she 
surviving victim. She did not, um, I believe she ended up saying it was a black man. She said that he sounded like a black man, but she did not have her glasses on at the time. And she also never got, when she was attacked, she was still in her bedroom and she was very surprised. Um, So she did not have quite the same level of detail as Miss Tucker, but she did say that he sounded like a black man. Yeah, they, they knew they they knew Rocky, uh, right? Uh, they seen and this it, uh, what gets me about the whole thing. The thing that stuck with me the most was the fact that there was a whole conversation that took place prior to the attack between the attacker uh, and the victim. Uh, he was started out on the porch trying to come in to use the phone. He got in to use the phone, started using the phone, and they had a whole interaction together. And and she never identified uh, her her neighbor who lived. He was supposed Rocky lived across the street, and and she never identified him as as this person, despite giving a description of the of the attacker to somebody. It just it, it, it that drives me nuts. The other thing that drove me nuts, and this is my last question: um, the the attorney who represented him who screwed this up because that's what happened. His appeal got screwed up. They missed a deadline. Uh, he was sanctioned, uh, you know, quote unquote sanctioned. Uh, but he's lived a pretty good life since then, hadn't he? He appears to. I've never met Mr. Schwartz. He lives in Tennessee. Um, he has held several accolades in Tennessee with the Bar Association there, and I believe with the Memphis Bar Association, has several public-facing awards there. Um, he did not want to comment for this story. Um, he he did provide at one point affidavit for Rocky's current attorneys, um, but he didn't. He didn't really offer any reasoning about why he did not continue on with Rocky's appeals, why he did not let Rocky know the appeals were over, or why he, um, as the courts say, abandoned Rocky. He never, he never gave any sort of reasoning there. Um, he has said previously that he moved law firms at the, at the time um, of the uh, that 2003 uh, kind of time frame. He had moved firms, but he's never given really a solid reason as to why he, again, did what the courts call abandonment um, for Rocky. But something interesting I thought about that whole decision, especially from the appeals court, is that, yes, even though this lawyer did, a, did abandon Rocky, using their word, he's, the appeals court said, but according to the law, Rocky also had a responsibility to keep up with these types of deadlines and to essentially ask his lawyer, hey, did you file this appeal? But then when I spoke with the neuropsychiatrist who actually evaluated Rocky, she said that he wouldn't have been able to do that. His intellectual disability would have not rendered him able to keep up with deadlines, keep up with paperwork. Um, We also have to remember that Rocky, by his own admission, doesn't read and write very well and um, can't read legal documents. He he struggles with reading in general, let alone legal documents that even the best reader sometimes can't make out. Um, Mm -hmm. And then you also have to keep in mind, the Alabama prison system is not necessarily a law library. And also, it's not necessarily handing out printers everywhere or right. uh, access to the court systems. So it's just a it's just a situation where, unfortunately for Rocky, it seems like at every turn there was something that happened that has stood in his in his way. And one thing you mentioned as well, um, Josh, that I wanted to circle back to was uh, talking about the interaction between Miss Tucker and the attacker prior to her being uh, being stabbed. Yes, there was this whole interaction, but then we also have to remember 
over the several months of interactions between Rocky and Miss Tucker before the stabbing. He had lived there for at least several months across the street. I put photos in my story that tried to show the juxtaposition of the houses. They are I, they are literally across the street from each other. And they would wave across their porches from each other. Rocky did not have the most stable working um, work situation. As, as you mentioned earlier, he definitely right. yeah. hopped around by everybody's admission, hopped around from job to jobs, um, was not employed at different times. So he was home a lot. And uh, even his kids say he did a lot for them at home. He was home, uh, more home than his wife who had a steady job. So he would wave to Miss Tucker across the street. Uh, they knew each other there. He would get ice from her. Um, it's also kind of up for debate whether he, whether Miss Tucker sold the ice, whether she gave it to him, et cetera. But either, either way, everybody agrees that he did obtain ice from her, or whether he paid for it or not. He would go over, ask for ice because September, it's hot, as we all know, in Alabama, and he would make Kool-Aid for his kids and want to cool it off. So he would go over and get ice from her on many occasions. And even the adults now, who's now an adult son of Rocky, he's in his 40s now, he says, look, I remember so well getting ice from her, he said, because one time we went over there and she told me I was so nice and I was so well-mannered and so polite. She gave us extra ice than she normally did because she just, she thought he, he was about 11 at the time. She said he, that Miss Tucker thought I was so well-mannered. So nobody disagrees that the two of that Rocky and Miss Tucker knew each other. Everybody agrees on that fact. So it's interesting that again, with that interaction prior to the stabbing, with the descriptions from both Miss Tucker and Miss Dutton, Rocky was never identified as as the killer. It's just it's just a it's just a train wreck of of a I mean it just is a an absolute train wreck of a story and and we're gonna we're gonna most likely try to execute this guy and it just it's it's oh, it's a will. heartbreaking yeah. frustrating. Thing and uh, I, mean, I, I just listen. I appreciate you doing the story. I appreciate you coming on and talking about it, um, and and all the stories that you that you've been doing about this this stuff and covering these things. They I, I tell people all the time. Uh, you know, Eddie Burkhalter that worked with us, uh, John Glenn who worked with us for a while as well, uh, Brian Lyman and, and others that that delve into these prison stories and do prison work. Uh, so. I don't know how y'all do it. I don't know how you keep your sanity to and 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 continue on with the frustration. A Beth Shelburne, I should mention as well, mm -hmm. uh, and 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 just in in the work that y'all do, it's it's so important. And I know it's not recognized enough. And and I just I really appreciate you doing it. I really appreciate you coming on and spending some time with us. Yeah, thank God you're doing what you're doing. Thank you. Thank you both. And I have to say, we have in Alabama an amazing group of journalists who really do cover the issue. And um, I'm lucky to be among them and also very lucky because I know in a lot of places um, it is it, the media don't exactly help each other out as much or not as kind to each other. And I'm really lucky to be in an environment where especially the the core of us who work to cover uh, the prisons and the prison system there um, have are, I'm very lucky to have them as colleagues. So, uh, you know, I think that it takes all of us to uncover different parts of this. There is unfortunately so many problems that we need to talk about. And there's so many aspects of these problems. It does take all of us to do. Um, so there's not necessarily a competition there. It's just kind of all, all of us trying to contribute to the same to the same thing. So. I appreciate it. And I hope that um, we 
and get the word out about about this story and spread the story um, and, you know, at least get get some attention there. At least if nothing changes, at least people can be aware of what's what's happening there. And we can shed some light on, on what is happening, because unfortunately, a lot of these people, especially these death row inmates, they don't have a way to tell their story to the public. So we have to kind of work for them and get their story out. Well, we're going to do what we can, and yep. uh, and we appreciate you you doing it as well. And yep. uh, we, we thank you for again for for coming on and spending some time. And and I, and and let me say, I I, uh, I appreciate al.com for yeah. for giving you the freedom uh, to do it and and allowing the space and the resources to to tell these stories. And uh, that's a that's a real service to to the community and to the state and to these folks. So so thank y'all again. Um, and I want to try it one more time. It is Avana Harinku. You did it. I'm so proud of you. <laughs> Look at that. Oh, Josh. It all. How about that? How about that? Thank you, Ivana, so much. We really appreciate Thanks, it. Thanks, Ivana. Thank you. Man, uh, you know, David, that, that um, it, it is something uh, that I don't know how they do it. I don't. I mean, we, yeah. you know, we've talked before to a number of these reporters and, mm. uh, you know, and, and trying to do that. And, you know, and I, I know we've got to wrap this show up, but I mean, it, it, it is, um, it is something else, man, to watch them dig into these things over and over and over again. And, um, and, you know, just keep doing it and knowing, knowing what the likely end is here. And I, listen, I, I'm, I, I know I, I'm in that profession. And, and so I tend to, you know, romanticize the r- reporters and stuff more so than, uh, than the people that are the subjects. And, and so I know, I believe me, I know how tough it is on the subjects of these stories. Okay. Mm-hmm. I, I'm at, I don't understand it completely, but I, I have a good idea that they've got a hell of a lot more at stake than the folks that are writing stories. But, oh, yeah. um, I mean, but still to, she could do, I mean, she's a talented reporter. She -hmm. could do anything, you know, Mm -hmm. she could do, she could, she could devote whatever resources she wanted to. I mean, she could, you know, whatever she wanted to do. And this is what her, Beth Shelburne, Eddie Burkhalter, those guys, I mean, it is, listen, when you start doing this, the number of letters and emails and things that you receive from desperate people, whether it be mm-hmm. the folks who are incarcerated or their family members or friends or loved ones, uh, or hell, in some cases, the cops that are responsible for them even being there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Those letters that you get are, they're heartbreaking and they will keep you up at night. Um, well, I just don't know how they do it. Yeah, I don't either. The system swallows uh, up these folks who are, in the in the position that Mr. Myers is uh, in, and and uh, you know, uh, and others have been in, uh, and sure. still are in, it's it's really chilling. It's it's um, it, it would have to be exhausting, I would imagine. Uh, and we talked with uh, our friend Beth Shelbourne about this. You know, just the you know periodically you kind of have to. I would imagine periodically you have to take a break and sort of. Mm-hmm. Do a little yeah. detox and get in some R and R just to be able to function with daily life. It's got to be draining, you know. Yeah, it does. And we, we uh, honestly, well, uh, you know, and I want to talk out of and tell tell his business or whatever. We, you know, we had a, had a kid that worked for us at APR, and um, I, I think honestly, you know, he eventually took some time. Um, yeah. But you know, I yeah. just think that. Um, it it just it wears you it wears you down and and I want to say something else too. 
Um, yes, I mentioned she's a good reporter. It's not easy to put together a story like that. I mean, people mm -hmm. look at that story and read through it and think, well, this is how it flows. It takes a lot of time and effort, man, yeah. uh, to start that thing out and to, and to run th through that length of a story and to put it uh, to give you the facts, not to over oversell portions of it, not to, you know, to repeat portions of it, things like that. It's just, uh, there's a lot to it. And not, you know, and I don't, I assume they have some editors still, um, uh, at al.com, although I, it's nowhere, I, I can assure you it's nowhere near what a newspaper used to be in terms of. Well, sure. I mean, the business has like changed. Yeah. 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 I mean, yeah. so, so more and more, you know, reporters and, and writers and they're, they're left to edit their own copy basically. And what they send in is what's going to appear in most cases. Um, you know, unless you're, you know, sending something into the New York Times or the Washington Post or something, you know, where there's still, you know, a, a large newsroom there to back you up. But uh, so I got to imagine, you know, she, she put this together, mainly edited it herself. And it was a really, really well told story all the way through. It's, and it's, she's seven months. And she's seven months pregnant. Yeah. I mean, um, it's like the old saying, you know, uh it was at Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers. Yeah. And I think Ginger Rogers said, you know, I have to do everything he does and I have to do it in heels. Yeah, <laughs> mean, backwards and in heels. And backwards, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. I, it's mean, you know yeah. I just applaud uh, yeah. Ivana, man. She's, she's, uh, she's yeah, righteous. She's, good. she's righteous. Yeah, she's good. She's yeah. very, very good. Uh, all right. Well, to wrap this up, we're right wing nutting uh, this thing here. Uh, mm -hmm. they're, they're our right wing nut of the week is uh, Chris Pringle, representative. Mm -hmm. uh, and I believe he's also the Speaker Tim Poor of the House uh, uh, of Representatives. And mm -hmm. uh, he's in leadership, uh, certainly, mm -hmm. uh, who brought a bill. And we mentioned it a little bit. It was a state house bill. We mentioned it with Anthony. Um, and uh, it was, the bill on its face is supposed to give them. Um, the authority to our ownership transfers the deed from the parking lot behind the state house to them, their control, so they can mm -hmm. go about uh, creating this uh, agreement with RSA to build a new state house. Mm -hmm. um, and that's how it starts. Uh, but then uh, also included in the bill are about six things that have zero to do with building the state house. One of them is right. uh, we mentioned uh, earlier about hiding the uh, witnesses. Uh, from mm -hmm. from public view, uh, that this normally these contracts have to go through uh, whenever whenever the attorney general's office wants to bring in wants to pay uh, for an expert witness to come in on a case, uh, they have to send the contract through contract review. Contract review has to has to review that uh, they don't really get to approve it or disapprove of it, but they can't hold it up for a little while if they have questions. Um, and, and require more information about that. Uh, this would allow them not to disclose those witnesses to contract review any longer uh, mm -hmm. and how much they're paying them. Uh, and so we, we have that portion of it. But perhaps the most egregious, and now you, you may disagree, you may think that's more egregious than what I'm about to tell you, and I understand that. But having worked on this particular story, I find it reprehensible what they're doing. And that is... In the midst of an election challenge to David Cole, who apparently lied his ass off mm -hmm. on his qualifying forms mm -hmm. by putting down the address of his family friend who lived in District 10 because his house was in, in District 4 and he there was no opening in District 4 for him to run. He right. wanted to run in District 10. Instead of moving to District 10 and remaining inside the bounds of the law, which right. requires you to be inside the district for a year prior to the election, he just falsified the address. 
put mm-hmm. down the, uh, the address of a family friend and pretended like he lived there, which yeah. he most certainly did not. Not for yeah. an hour did he live there. OK. Mm-hmm. And inside of this bill is a proposal to remove the law that would re- allow for an election challenge after a candidate has been certified. Hmm. So essentially protecting David Cole yeah. from this election challenge. Yeah. Because, and as Chris Pringle said, he'd been certified by the party. He's been certified by secretary of state. He's been duly seated. What more do we need? Hmm. Well, how about following the damn law, man? Right, 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 right. right. I mean, well, is it, if that's where, where, what's the boundaries here? Okay, could could well, somebody from Mobile falsify an address in in Huntsville hmm. and say, "I want to run in Huntsville now"? And hmm. and if you get in there and you get certified, let's say, hey, just got to deal with it. Mm-hmm. And then this the party that's been screaming about election integrity and uh, yeah, uh, yeah, election integrity, law and order, blah 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 blah. You know that's why that's why we know. It's just, it's it's bull. It's not about any of those things. It's about mm-hmm. politics. If it were about mm-hmm. any of those things, based on and you did a lot of reporting on this, but you weren't the only one, right? Uh, you know, David Cole. It, you know, this shouldn't even be up for discussion. The Republican Party. No, should he should have bowed out. This. Anybody with any respect would have bowed out of yeah. this. Them would have bowed out. Well, yeah, well he should have. Yeah, certainly he should have. Yeah, certainly yeah. he should have. It's just it's it's a. He, he should have never done caught. it in the first place. He never no, should have done should. this. No, yeah. no, you're right. You're not. Right. But when he got caught, and he yeah. and everybody knows he's caught. I mean, mm-hmm. it's just it's absurd what's taking place now. This whole mm-hmm. by running back and forth to the Supreme Court and trying to get your buddies in the legislature to let you off the hook from this. Everybody knows he's guilty of this. OK, mm-hmm. everybody knows that he went in, said, I, I don't uh, that they drew his house out of District 10, used to be in District 10. And then in 2020 and, and the redistricting process, they drew it out and, and moved the line because Madison's growing like crazy. So they, they moved him out of that district. And now his district is in District 4. Okay, so Mm -hmm. instead of moving like you're supposed to do, he falsified this address, put down a family friend uh, that donated to him. And there's a I mean, you can go. It's it's probably, I don't know, three miles or so from his house. Uh, This this other house. I've been by there several times. Been by Mm -hmm. David Cole's house. Matter of fact, I drive right by David Cole's house on the way to take my daughter uh, to her dance stuff every Mm -hmm. week. So, uh, you know, I look down there. He still lives in the damn thing. Mm-hmm. He's still living out of the district. So you have somebody not living in the district and you want to allow them to stay there and, and continue to represent that. Yeah. It's, it's, it's bullshit. It's a complete mm-hmm. and utter bullshit. And if a black man, a black Democrat had done this, they mm-hmm. would be screaming and the secretary of state would be charged or the uh, AG's office would be charging them with a crime. Oh, yeah, without question. No, they would. have. And you're saying a black Democrat. I think just a Democrat, period. Black. Yeah, probably so. You know, probably yeah, so, it, just, yeah. it, it wouldn't have mattered. Just, yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's just it's it's to, uh, oh, it's it's the worst of politics. This right mm-hmm. here is the worst. It's we've set these rules. Uh, our guy didn't follow the rules, tried to cheat. That's what happened. He tried to cheat yeah. uh, on the rules. He got caught. Uh, cheating at uh, uh, at it, and so we're going to try to change the damn rules. Yep. Okay, and except, and, and I shouldn't say rules; I should say laws. All right, because that's what it is. It's a mm-hmm. law. It's not a rule. He's not breaking some arbitrary rule somewhere. Like no, that's an important point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but yeah, you know, and, and, and there are other things in this as well. It reshapes the legislative. This bill I'm talking about. Uh, the, it reshapes the legislative uh, council that removes the lieutenant governor, which 
it's like kind of a shot at Will Ainsworth there, which seems <laughs> weird to me. Remove some of his power, uh, which I don't like that happening to my friends at all. To your boy. Um, to your and boy. That's right. That's right. That's right. And, um, uh, you know, and it does some other things. And it's just, yeah. and, and oh, I'll tell you another, another one uh, that it does that people ought to be up in arms about is it gives oversight power to the examiners of public accounts to the legislature, hmm. which is a hell of an issue. Because well, examiners of public accounts is an independent agency at this point that does yeah. not does not rely on 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 them for oversight of any kind, any supervisory powers. They go, they have a they have a thing that they're supposed to do every year, and they follow their guidelines and they they review things, and they're they're not beholden to anybody, which is the way we should all want it. Yeah, that's right. No, yeah, that's here right. We go. Here we go. We're reshaping government, making sure our friends don't get caught in breaking laws. Mm-hmm. So, and and then some somewhere down the line, you'll 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 be sitting around your table saying, "How in the hell did this happen? How yep. did we? How are we letting these people get away with this?" This is how. You're right. No argument here, brother. You're absolutely right. All right, you want to get out of here? Yeah, let's do it, man. All right. Uh, I think we've given these people enough. So let's uh, let's slide out. Until next week, y'all be safe. Peace.